Good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to be in a place that's warm, right? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer, and we're going to get into our message for this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for another day. God, we thank you that we get to come before you together and worship you and hear from your word, God, and just be reminded that we're so loved that Jesus died for us on the cross. We, we need that constant reminder, Lord, because uh, we can often drift away from that truth. We can try to take our lives back uh, from you, and, and uh, Lord, we need you. We desperately need you. We need your Holy Spirit to continue to guide us, to empower us, to help us fight the uh, sinful nature that rages inside of us. And I pray, Father, that we can leave here today with a deeper love and appreciation for one another. I pray that we can take the love that you have shown us and show it to others. And uh, throughout this year, we can look for opportunities to love other people. And I pray that we can also humble ourselves and receive the love that others would love to give us. We thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. By this, all will know. In John chapter 13, you can turn in your Bibles there, John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You know, it's interesting that Jesus said, by this you will know. You know, there was a lot of false doctrine around Jesus' time in the early church as well, but he said, by this, they will know. Your love for one another. I thought that that was really deep and interesting because, you know, we can often get into debates about who has the right doctrine, who doesn't have the right doctrine, who has the bigger church, who has the better church, who has a church, and, and, you know, we can go, we can get so caught up on the things that are on the surface, but Jesus strips all that away. Because the Pharisees had the right doctrine, did they not? They had, they had the Torah. They had the commandments. They knew what it meant to love the, the Lord God. They even had, at one point, the temple. They had the place to worship. And to some degree, when the Roman government took over, they still had a place that they can go worship. In Jerusalem. So they had the where. But God was more concerned about the hearts of the worshipers. God was more concerned about something that would outlast the buildings. You know, you can have a church building and still not love the loss. You can have an enormous I remember talking to one person, and they say, you know, I like intimate churches because when I went to a bigger church, I felt all alone. How could you feel alone when you're in a big church? Isn't that something? But you see, we can get caught up in the wrong things, and Jesus right here says that it's by your love for one another the world will know that you are my disciples. So today we're going to talk a little bit about loving one another. Is that all right? Because our love can sometimes be conditional. But God loves at all times. And so I want to look at seven reasons 
why it's important to love one another. Seven reasons why it's important to love one another. The first one is loving one another reflects Christ. In John chapter 13, verse 34, we just read this. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is the standard for how we are to love each other. So, in other words, you don't love people the way they loved you. You love them the way Jesus loved you. When you keep that perspective, it's easier to love more people and it's easier to love all people. But if you condition your love to only loving people the way you've received love or the way you perceived you've been loved, it limits the influence and the reach of your love. But if we keep Jesus to stand, imagine if everyone in the church, let's not even go outside the doors. Imagine if everyone in the church loved one another as Jesus loved them. Imagine the type of church we would have. Imagine how you would feel standing outside. You'd be kicking down those doors because you couldn't wait to come into the room with people who are loving you like Jesus. The world needs to see more of this and not less Jesus. The secondly, love one another because it completes the law. In Romans 13, verses 8 and 9, Romans 13, verses 8 and 9, it says, let no debt remain outstanding. That alone is impossible, right? It always seems that we have debt. We owe somebody. So we're already trying to keep, keep up with that command. Accept the continue, continuing debt to love one another. For we know for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and what other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're right here. Paul is saying that a lot of these issues we see in our society today, adultery, murder, theft, coveting, taking what doesn't belong to you, and whatever other thing that the, the commandments commanded us to not do can all be resolved if we love one another. I mean, think about this. If you really loved your wife and you really loved your husband, you would not commit adultery. If you really loved your neighbor as yourself, you would not lust after your neighbor's spouse. It's at the root of the obedience of these commandments. We wouldn't kill each other if we loved each other. There would be no murder. You wouldn't take what doesn't belong to you because you wouldn't want that done to you. Love is at the core of these commandments. And then he goes on, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. We can never repay Christ the debt he paid for our sins. The only way we can begin to repay this debt is by loving one another. Loving one another. Thirdly, love one another. Loving one another creates depth in our character and in our hearts. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Peter 1, verse 22, it says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. 
We were already challenged with loving one another. And Peter said, that's not enough. You got to take it deeper. And from the heart. From the heart. You know, that Greek, the word that Peter uses here for deeply. The Greek word for deeply is an athletic term that he uses. And it means to stretch your muscles to its fullest. It's a complete stretch. And I can tell you right now, that's a challenge for me because I don't like the stretch. Last year I had back surgery and half of my physical therapy was stretching. That was the most painful thing. It's stretching, especially those muscles that hadn't been stretched in a long time. It's painful. But when you're talking about stretching to the full, getting that really good stretch that you feel that burn in your muscles. You're being stretched beyond your comfort zone. And this is the same word, coincidentally, that Jesus used when he described the type of death that Peter would have. In John chapter 21, verse 18, it says, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But you, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Peter was basic, Jesus was telling Peter he was going to die a crucifixion. And that's exactly how history states that Peter died crucified upside down because he didn't think it was... He was worthy of dying the same death in the same way that Jesus did. So he was hung upside down. But Jesus described that you would be stretched. And when you think about that, that is the cross. It's a sacrificial love. Deep love is a sacrificial love. It's us taking ourselves out of our comfort zone to make someone else's life a little better. It's stretching yourself. It's getting outside of your own limits and allowing yourself to do things that were inconvenient. It was not convenient to go to the cross, but Jesus did it anyway. I'll be the first to admit there are people who will stretch your love to the limit. Well, I don't think we have to worry about that. There are people that will stretch your love. We have family members that will stretch us every single time. Every time you're around them, every time they come, they, they stretch. You have to go the extra mile to show them some love. But, you know, Peter's talking about people in the church. He's talking about sage folk. He's not talking about people who, who don't know anybody. He's talking about people who know better. That it takes a stretch to love even them. This one doesn't like that one. This one doesn't like someone who'd hang out. This one wears you out with the incessant talking. This one is unspiritual. This one doesn't get along with that one. This one mistreats his wife. This one yells at her kids. They gossip about them. This one grumbles and complains. This one makes excuses. And then there's you. And what's the answer? Preach harder about it, James. Rebuke them. Bible says the answer is love. The answer is love. In fact, 1 Peter 4, verse 8, you can turn there in your Bibles. 
First Peter 4, verse 8 and 10, it says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over multitudes of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. What happens when you're out of the habit of stretching and then you start to stretch again? It hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. You know, I hadn't been to the gym. I, look, don't, don't, don't judge me, quote, unquote. Don't. But I know when I go back, it's going to hurt. You're going to use muscles. You're going to stretch because you haven't used it in a while. And sometimes when we haven't been stretched in a while, it is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And I think sometimes when we don't, when we don't, we, when we haven't been stretched in a while, we avoid it because we know it's going to be uncomfortable. And that could be why some of us aren't flexible. It's because we don't want to be stretched. We have singles in our church who don't have kids of their own, yet they're excellent teachers in our children's ministry. Why? Because they stretch themselves. They stretch themselves. They love you so much that they're willing to serve their kids and they're not even their own. They're willing to invest in your children. That is a deep love. Now here's the thing. Just because we're commanded to love each other deeply doesn't mean we need to make it hard for each other. I know that I'm easier to love when I'm spiritual. It's a lot easier for my wife and my kids to love me. But the true test of their love is when I'm having my bad days. Do they avoid me or do they, do they show more love? That's the true test is that deep love that covers over multitudes of sin. Number four, loving one another is proof that you're a true Christian. In 1 John 3 verse 10, this is how we know that who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does what is right who does not do what is right, is not a child of God. Nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Those are not my words. I didn't put that in there. I can't say who is and who isn't. That's God. Verse 3, chapter 3, verses 18 to 20. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. God knows who's keeping this commandment and who's not. God knows who's a true Christian and who's not. And the true sign is our love for each other, that deep love for one another. The willingness to be in each other's lives. The willingness to serve and be stretched beyond our comfort zone. To help each other. Encourage each other. I don't know about you, but that's a convicting passage right there. I like to say that, man, knowing my Bible should be good enough. Having people come out to church should be good enough. Keeping away from certain things should be good enough. Jesus, no. The way we know is by your love for one another. That's how God knows. Number five, loving one another is a command. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, 
First John 3, verse 23, this is the command, to believe in the name of Jesus and to love one another as he commanded us. This is not an option. It's not an option because otherwise we wouldn't do it. Why did God have to command us to love each other? It's because otherwise we wouldn't do it. Now, there are some, some naturally loving people, but even those people have their limits. Even those people have their preferences. You know, I can love everybody who has the same interests. But when someone else has a different interest, I don't know. That's, you know, you have a, you know, you, we, we call those the people we click with. Oh, we click well together. And so it's easy to love those people. But what about the ones you don't click with? What about the ones who don't share your interests? Those people still need to be loved. They still need to be loved. And number six, loving one another is a response to God loving us. We're going to park here for a second. First John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. First John chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The Bible says that God showed his love to us first. Think about that for a second. It wasn't like we were running to the throne of God, ready to hand over our sin and our sinful life. Someone had to reach out to us. Someone had to take time to sit down with us and show us where we were at in the eyes of God. Someone had to love us enough to put up with all of our excuses of why we had to delay or change or change that appointment time. I made so many excuses when I was first reached out to. I was reached out to in August. I didn't really start studying until like September, October. Because I had so many, so many excuses of why I couldn't sit down and, and keep my word with the guys who wanted to study the Bible with me. But what kept these guys persistent? was that God loved them first. Was that someone stuck in there with them. Someone reached out to them. Someone followed through with them. And so they saw that I was, I was worth sticking in there for. Why? Because God has done the same thing with us. When we think about helping other people, what should motivate us is the love that we alone receive from God. How blessed is your life? How, 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 how fortunate are you? How convinced are you that Jesus actually died for your sin? Because if you believe those things, it shouldn't be hard for you to love people. It shouldn't be hard for you to get your heart right to love people. I know it's a challenge. And I know it's not always easy. 
But don't just leave your heart in that position. Change your heart. Sometimes we don't do things because my heart wasn't in it. Okay, well then get your heart in it. That's what God did. The Bible says that we were once objects of wrath. We were enemies in our hearts and our minds to God. And you know what God did? He got his heart right for you. He sent his son. He said, look, they don't love me. They're not obeying me. They're offering lip service. But you know what? I'm going to stay in there with them. I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to hang in there with them. I'm going to give them another chance. I'm going to let them enjoy the sunny days I let the righteous enjoy. I'm going to let them have good things as I have the saved. I'm going to give them happiness. I'm going to let them enjoy laughter. I'm going to let them enjoy clean water, hot air, hot, 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 you know what I'm talking about, heat, clean clothes, shoes, working car. They're going to make money. I'm going to bless their lives. And you know what? Some of them are not going to turn to me. He loved you first. And he's still loving you. And some of us have the audacity, the audacity to withhold that love from other people because your heart's not in it. Get your heart in it. Get your heart in it. Yo, Jesus, you think he didn't want to go to the cross? He spent hours praying in the garden, wrestling. So much so that he was bleeding. He was sweating blood. He got his heart right so that you could have a chance. A true Christian will love because it's the right thing to do. It's because it's a God thing to do. Love is more than a characteristic of God. It is who God is. God is love. We should love out of sheer gratitude for what God has done for us. We shouldn't have to be coerced. We shouldn't have to have people talk to us and inspire us to love. Just out of the sheer gratitude that I am loved by God. Say what you want about America. There are a lot of people who will trade places with you. In a New York minute. You're here because God loves you. And those who aren't here, guess what? God loves them too. They have happy days. You know, I hear people sometimes complain about growing up in the projects. I remember happy days in the projects. The sun still shines in the projects. I mean, there were people smiling in the projects. There were days I was laughing. In the projects, I had a bunch of little extra unwanted friends with me in the project, but I was still happy. I mean, we act as if God owes us something. Like we deserve a certain life. God is your reward. And the soonest, the sooner we get that, the sooner we can move on to love others deeply. And the way God loved us. And lastly, loving one another is proof of God exist, God's existence. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, 
First John chapter four, verse 12. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. If No one has ever seen God. Then how can people. How can people get to know God? This is a, this is a question we're often faced with. Especially with young people. How do I even know God exists? Because I'm standing right in front of you, sharing his love with you. There's a saying, seeing is believing, right? People need to see the love of God to believe God exists. God, God is wise. God understands there's faith. Which leads to hope. Right? We have faith and believe that there's a creator, that someone put us here, that someone created all this, the, the universe and all that, and we have hope to one day be with him. But what is the greatest of the three? Love. Love. Because you can have faith in the wrong thing. You can have hope for the wrong reasons. But if you have love, love will always point you to God because God is love. God is love. If you start loving people, it will eventually point you to God. It's like a magnet. When you love, it's like you're drawn to God because that love, it draws, God is drawing you to himself. Because he is love, it's hard to have love and hate in your heart. One is going to win over the other. Whichever one you feed more will prove whether or not God is real in people's lives. If we walk around treating people the way we believe they deserve, people will have a hard time believing that God exists. Today, people wonder because they're mistreated. There's so much poverty, so much greed, and they question, where is God? And the church has always been God's answer to that question. Jesus says, all men will know by your love for one another because I have loved you a certain way. The way I loved you, the world needs to see that. In verse 15 and 17, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he is God. He is in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. Because the world, this is the world, because in this world, we are like him. You know, we're like, when we love people, we're being like God to the rest of the world. And like I said, guys, I know it is not easy. But love is an action. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. You can't, you can't go by your feelings. If God based his love on his feelings, there'd probably be two people in this whole room. And I'm not counting myself as one of them. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in him. You know, it's very hard to show your love for your, for your brothers and sisters when you don't show up. How else can they see your love? 
how else do they know how, how real your love is if nobody sees you? How do you even practice love when you're, when you're not around anyone? That's a very shallow love because you can't develop it. It's not being stretched. It's not getting stronger. So how are you actually loving people when you're not loving people? I love you, bro. Show it. I love you, sis. Show it. It's very hard to feel loved by people when they're not around. Our kids, for those of us who are parents, when you're not around, your kids, Mommy, where are you? Daddy, where are you? They run to you when you come into the house because they missed you. What did they miss? Your face? Your presence? They missed your love. Because when they're around you, you love them. They feel it. They connect with it. When we're not around each other, it's very hard for us to feel each other's love. And let me tell you, if people don't feel love in the church, that has a direct impact on their faith. And then eventually, they lose hope. It's like a domino effect. People come to church because they need love. They want to feel love. This should be a place where, where, where love is pouring out of the doors. When people come in, and I'm not saying you put on a fake spot, hey, hey, no, I'm saying we really love each other. And look, I, I'll tell you right now, I've been to a lot of churches. This is the first church where you have to really plan your escape because the fellowship is so real. It's so real. Look, I got to dodge some of y'all because I'm like, I'm going to get loved up on today. Hey, if I talk to this guy, I can make my way right to that exit. Oh, man, he's blocking the door. Uh, you know, maybe I'll go through the back. I mean, you go outside. People are out here. We're telling people, you got to go. The people who work here like, uh, uh we got to clean up. Can you guys start going? When we have midweek, what are they doing? The lady, she's coming up, knocking on the Time to go. It ain't because we ain't got no place to go. It's because we love each other. We love each other. And when people come to our church, yes, they may be impressed by the singing. They may be a little impressed by the preaching. But you know what blows people away is when they see genuine love. And what does that do to their faith? It increases their faith. Because that is what they've been looking for. And what does that do to their hope? It gives them hope in knowing that I can be with the definition of love. That I can be with God. That if I stay in this place, that I will be loved. I will learn how to love. I will be with the one who loves always. If we love one another. People will know God when they see him through us. And it starts at home. It starts with loving your immediate neighbor. And then it spreads out into our community. Loving your physical neighbors, your co-workers, yes, even your co-workers. You got to love them. You got to love them. Your boss, you don't think he or she needs to know what love is? You got to love them. You got to show them something different. Don't show them what they're expecting. They, 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 they say something to upset you. Just, they're expecting you to get upset. But if you don't retaliate like Jesus didn't, guess who you're being like? Guess who they get a glimpse of? 
our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in God's church where unconditional love is taught, witnessed, demonstrated, and practiced. This is where people come to learn how to love other people. We got to show them how to do it the right way. We got to show them this is how you love each other. This is how you love each other in your marriage. This is how your love covers over multitudes of sin. You don't sweep it under the rug. You deal with it. You get other people in there to help you out. Why? Because they love you. Ain't nobody getting paid to do it. We do it because we love you. We sit up for four hours talking to you because we love you. We cancel. We, we, we make room in our schedule to get with you because we love you. We watch your kids so you can go out and have a date. Why? Because we love you. You ain't giving us no money. We're doing it because we love you. We go pick your kids up when you're inconvenienced at work, when you get a, 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 you know, why? Because we love you. We cook food for you when you're having babies and, and, and when you can't cook it, we come over and we clean. Why? Because we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. <laughs> Loving one another is important because it reflects Christ, it completes the law, develops depth, it proves that you're a Christian. It's a command. It's a response of God's love for us. And it proves that God is real. That God is alive. That God is real today. And that God wants to show you that love. Loving one another is absolutely, above all else, the most important thing we could do as a body of Christ for each other and for this world around us. God bless Gloria.